Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Living by the Word Ministries presentation of the Bible Information Brokers with myself, Daryl A.Z.D. Fulton, along with Eric receiving your phone calls. J.J.'s taking care of all that engineering stuff, make sure that we are as good as we are. And Brian Allen and Professor Craig Hawkins, I affectionately call PCH. We're going to come back to you with more questions and give you an opportunity to participate in the broadcast. But uh, you can start doing that right now and get it set up as we give you some information, the most important information we can ever give you in life. We'll do that momentarily. Uh, but call Eric right now and get the call set up in the queue. Get all ready, and he can set your questions up for us to receive your question. We want to give you a biblical answer. You know, it doesn't make any difference what your question is in regards to um, what's going on with life or what's going on. You have Bible questions. You have philosophical questions. You have just questions about, you know, things that are going on in the world. What does the Bible say about these things? Give us a call at 888-995-5552. Eric will set you up. 888-995-5552. Every other format we have is Bible Info Brokers. Facebook people really appreciate you checking in there. And if you'd be so inclined while you're on Facebook, go ahead and click that share button. Let people in your contact list know that you're listening to Living by the Word Ministries, Bible Information Brokers, and they'll be able to check it out now live or by way of archived broadcasts in the future. Uh, Bible Information Brokers or Bible Info Brokers, I just say, Bible Info Brokers for Facebook, email, tweet, our messenger. Um, so right now, as the calls are coming in, and Eric is setting those things up, and we're receiving the other uh, uh, questions by those formats. PCH, um, interesting call from uh, the former cop from Valencia, a New York cop, I should say, living in Valencia now, uh, Dennis, about how him being a new believer and being able to be in that situation, like I was saying towards the end of his uh, call, that he probably was quite capable of being, the, you know, that, I mean, I, I know when he said one punch, you can relate to that yourself, being in the martial arts yourself, as it were, and him being uh, skilled as a, a shot and a police officer, knowing how guns work and things like that, probably could have disarmed that guy and then could have got uh, real, real negative real fast. But... To God's glory, uh, that situation happened. And the gospel that he was talking about is serious enough to to respect a life like that. To the degree, if I'm understanding it correctly, in the Bible, Craig, the Bible talks about how all the angels in heaven are rejoicing over one saved soul. Why would the angels be so happy about that? Well, there's a number of things to be said here, and, and, and before I get to the gospel, I do want to say, just because one has the ability to protect themselves or others doesn't mean you have to do it or Indeed. have to harm somebody. Right. I mean, it's just you have the option, and uh, and I really appreciate what Dennis shared with us, and mm-hmm. I know Doc can do that, uh, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend that for everybody. Sometimes people are going to do that, and they're going to get shot and killed. Yes. Um, but. But there are times when someone believes they're being led by the Spirit of God, and God um, moves them to do something, and where they could disarm somebody or uh, deal with it, and doesn't mean you have to. Uh, but on the other hand, if someone's knocking someone's head in with a crowbar, you, you kind of need immediate action. Indeed. So I really appreciate—sorry, oh, Daryl. No, go ahead. Yeah, I appreciate what Dennis shared. Yeah, that's that's phenomenal, and I believe that because that's the type of God we serve, and He cares about people, and we want them above all to know, to know the Lord. I mean, my the son who murdered the guy who murdered my son and two other boys. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I want him to be saved. I pray he comes to know Christ, and if he doesn't, he's in enough trouble for all of eternity. Yeah. I don't need to try to exact revenge. I'm not. I don't need to live in in anger and wanting vengeance. That's 
uh, you know, I'm, I'm confident God's in control. He needs to repent. If he does, thank God have mercy on his soul. And if not, he'll spend eternity uh, in trouble. So yeah. you know, what am I going to do? So God can give us that perspective. Only God can do that. That's that's not humanly within, well, it wasn't within a person like me. And that's the beauty of God, Daryl. He changes us from the yes. inside out. Yes, sir. He changes us. He do, He does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. God doesn't say, now, you get your act together, clean yourself up, get off the drugs, knock off the sexual immorality, quit drinking, and they come to me, and I, I might take you. <laughs> That's not how it works. God calls us as we are. <laughs> the old saying, come as you are, but please don't leave that way. <laughs> but seriously, God says, you know, it's time to grow. He's, he calls us to know Him, to trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, to have relationship and then fellowship with Him. And we can't have that. We don't have that until we have that by trusting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And then God changes us. Daryl, as you know, from the inside out, yes. it's not turning over a new leaf or a New Year's resolution or have a be happy attitude or think positive thoughts or anything like that. It is God changing us from the inside out, making us into the people he designed us to be. That's what this is all about. And I believe the angels do rejoice. Why? Because people have incredible value, Daryl. What's what's the worth of one soul, of mm. one person? You know, there are people, as I heard him right now, the guy said, I've spent 17 years on the streets already. I'm not going to change. God can change people and has changed people who spent their whole lives almost on the streets and come to Christ, and he changes them from the inside out. And so because of the value of people, because of their inherent value and dignity, because for the Christian they're made in the image of God, their value isn't what they can do for me or help me out or, you know, whatever. Their value is they're made in God's image, so they have inherent value and dignity and worth. And we value all people. I spent a lot of time traveling, as you guys know, and, for example, in India and elsewhere, and I've literally had conversations with people like, well, why do you care about a Dalit or untouchable? I could, because they're made in God's image. I don't care what tribe, what caste they're in. God says they have value. He's no respecter of person. So, my friend, you're listening right now. You may not even normally listen to this program, even this station, but you're listening. That's because God has a divine appointment for you. You've been looking, however long you've been alive, for meaning, for purpose, for significance, for identity. You want to feel good about who you are, and there's this emptiness and this void inside of you, and that's because it's a God-shaped void that only God can fill and fulfill you. Drugs, alcohol, relationships, accomplishments, fame, fortune, none of that is going to satisfy you. Even changing your gender, having, you know, surgery, changing your so-called cisgender, that's not going to fulfill you. That is not going to make you happy. That is not going to bring you contentment. It is only because you were made by God. You are made, as he says, for life and that more abundantly. And that is only found in a personal relationship with Jesus. And not just a Jesus, not any Jesus, but the Jesus of the Bible. We want to encourage you, we want to implore you right now to trust in Jesus Christ. Believe on Him as your personal Lord and Savior, and know that He gives you eternal life. He gives you worth. He gives you identity. He has things for you to do. Your life has meaning and purpose. May not, you may have been on top of the world right now, or you may be on the bottom, Where, or somewhere in between, wherever. God has meaning and purpose and significance for you as a child of God, as his son or daughter in Christ. And so you just you need to ask for forgiveness. Acknowledge you've messed up. Ask God to forgive you. Thank him for that. 
Get into a Bible-teaching-believing church. That doesn't save you, but that'll sure help you grow. Read the Bible. We'll send you one, especially the New Testament, the Gospel of John, or uh, the Book of Romans. These, these epistles, we call them books, or they were letters, at least uh, the epistles. And, and read those, and ask God to open your eyes and to give you wisdom. Your life will never be the same. I'm not saying it'll be easy. Mm. You may have lived on easy street up until now. Your life may get difficult and complicated, but it will be fulfilling. You will know contentment and joy, not happiness, but joy will well up within you from God that you've never known. That's the heritage of those that God not only saves, which means he delivers them. That's what that means, saved. And he adopts us. He doesn't just forgive us. He adopts us into his family life and that more abundantly. Fulfillment and that more abundantly is only found in Christ, and outside of Him is a mundane, ho-hum life, and eternal separation awaits you after you die, to be eternally separated from God. My friend, the wise person is going to get right with God right now, trusting in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Indeed, PCH, really appreciate that, brother. Like I said, no greater message can we ever have uh, for the folks from an apologetic program like we are, but the gospel message is uh, most definitely the most serious uh, apologetic that we need to have in our lives to be able to defend the very thing that we believe and that what we believe is true. Because we're like we talked about last week, the implication that what we believe is true, that means that anything antithetical to that is false. That's why you said about the Jesus of the Bible. So, Darrell, do you believe it's true or you know it's true? No, it's true. All right. Yeah, All right. To, to that point. Or does he can, believe that he knows? Does he believe that he knows? <laughs> <it's true? laughs> are we going to do the Albert Does he believe that he believes that he knows that he knows that he well, knows? Well, or yeah. does he know that he believes it? There you go. There we go. Well, put it this way. I'm for show, as we say down south. For sure. You know what, uh, Brian, I'm going to give you that opportunity, as I love to do, to get the people to do what? What's my other favorite word? Participate. Well, why don't you tell them how they can participate and tell them what that all is about? Yeah, they can participate by help supporting this radio ministry. Hey, and how, how do you how do you support it? You support it financially and you support it spiritually, and that's through your prayers. Amen. And that's what we're asking you to do. First of all, I'm going to thank you for for those that pray for this ministry uh, I want to thank those that, um, that that support it with their donations. How do you do that? <clears throat> Real simple. You can just go to the website. Go to BibleInfoBrokers.com, BibleInfoBrokers.com. Click on the link. This is support, uh, donate and support, and, and give the, the, via online with your, with your credit card or debit card. Or if you want to mail in your donation, uh, simply make it uh, make your check out of money or a cashier's check out to um, living by the word, living by the word. And so there's no confusion for people who are just listening. Um, the Bible information brokers is a ministry of living by the word. So your checks could be made out to living by the word and they could be mailed to our PO box. And that's at PO box nine zero four seven, seven, nine zero four seven, seven. That's in Los Angeles, California, nine zero 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 nine. Once again, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your donations. 
And thank you in advance for your prayers, and thank you in advance for your donations. Indeed, really appreciate that, Brian. You know, as we're thanking people, I want to thank um, the, uh, the Lord for not only supplying the, the means to the people that he uh, touches to help uh, financially from this broadcast, but I want to also thank uh, the, the technology that we have to be able to give resources to the people. And one of the resources is that I'm able to post on our Facebook pages. I'm looking at it, chronological reading through the Bible. And if you never read through the Word of God before in your life, and um, you can start at any point in any time. You can go back. I just happened to start on New Year's Day from day one and chronologically go through the Bible. That's not the only way to read it. That's the way I enjoy reading it. So I post it and share it with folks, and we happen to be on day 134 today. Day 134, where you can read through Psalm 32, 51, 86, and 122. And when you read the Bible like that chronologically, it really makes you kind of remember a lot of things that's going on because when you do it chronologically, that's the way our brain works anyway, sort of like in that uh, moment-by-moment situation and in some kind of order. So please take advantage of that situation as far as reading the Bible through chronologically. Check out our Facebook page at Bible Info Brokers on the Facebook, Bible Info Brokers, and you'll see a daily posting where you can actually leave a comment or leave a question. I'm very curious to know what people think about what they just read. You know, just one little liner, you know, just stood out to me. Do that, and by doing that, you'd be surprised. You've commented on the whole Bible over a year period of time. And by not only that uh, chronological setting, we also have the virtual Bible study that you uh, conduct on Wednesday. Can you let the people know about that? And PCH, I know I want you to be in the queue to talk about your channel. Yeah, Daryl, Wednesday night, 730 you can log in. It's a virtual Bible set through Zoom. Just go to uh, type in B-I-B-V-B-S. That's for Bible Info Brokers Virtual Bible Study, B-I-B-V-B-S dot com. You know, Craig, and I, I kid you about being, having a channel. I know you don't have a channel yet, but you, maybe you should get one. Maybe the Lord will bless you with one. But until he bless you with your channel, let's talk about his channel and how you also have a resource available for the people to deal with 24-7, but in particular on Wednesday as well. Well, thank you, Daryl. Indeed, on his channel.com, Internet TV, I have a pleasure to be on there on Wednesdays from 1 to 2, 1 to 2 on Wednesdays, and it is called Today's Bible Questions, and have the privilege of attempting to answer people's questions that they can telephonically yes, sir. call in. What kind of way? What I way? said it earlier, but I had to get mine in. So, <laughs> telephonically, they can call at 714-815-7097. One more time. 714-815-7097. And, of course, questions on theology, cults, the old cult, world religion, philosophy of religion, the Bible, what have you, stuff like that, apologetics. Love to hear from people. We get some great questions on that program as well. And just another opportunity for to people to to get their questions or addressed, or at least I can't promise I can answer them all, uh, but I know where to go look, and mainly in the Bible. <laughs> and you know what? We attempt to, to give people a solid answer, as we're commanded to do in Scripture. So thanks for that, Daryl. That's always a pleasure. His channel, Wednesdays. One to two. Appreciate that. And also that number Craig gave us, 714-815-7097, 714-815-7097 is a 24-7 number you can call any time, any day. Yeah. Your question pops up in your head. You wake up, call in, get that question out out there to them, sit in and get that answer for you, okay? 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, listen, I gave an opportunity to call in uh, Eric. He has some lines open at 888-995-5552. Call him right now, 888-995-5552, or everything else is Bible Info Brokers. Bible Info Brokers, you can send us questions by way of Facebook, email us questions, tweet us questions, or even messenger us questions. Bible Info Brokers are those formats. So, guys, let's go right back to the phone call. I see another phone call coming in from Hawthorne, and we're going to talk with Joe. If you could bring Joe up for me, please. Joe, welcome to the broadcast. Hello, Joe. Joe, are you there? Uh, yeah. Hi, hi Joe. How you doing? Yes, Joe from Hawthorne. You're live with us. Uh, your call, sir. What's your question for the night? Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, I have a question on uh, Ephesians six twelve. Mm-hmm. Uh, the context is uh, t- teaching that I've heard. I think they referenced Martin Luther where they, they, uh, they identified uh, three things that a Christian contends with, the flesh, the world, and the devil. Uh, but then when I read Ephesians 6.12, it says, Paul's saying, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities or something like that. And it kind of makes, makes it sound like really the, our, our only struggle is, is against the devil. So I, I was wondering how one might reconcile that teaching with that verse. Well, if you look at verse 12, um, it says, For our struggle, and I don't know the exact Greek word, but it's defined as, it's almost like a wrestling match. You know, that's the struggle, like two combatants going at it. And it's not against flesh and blood. And what is flesh and blood? It's talking about human beings. So our struggle and our wrestle is not against human beings, okay, but against the rulers. Uh, and if you look at rulers, uh, you, can, you can correct me if I'm, I'm wrong. I, I think it's exousia, basically the demonic force opposing pretty much the purposes of God's, um, the purpose of, of God. And so, um, so that's where we get... Uh, against the rulers, against the powers, against the roar forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And basically when they're talking about heavenly places, looking at um, uh, really like the, uh, uh, I would say the air, so to speak, or the, uh, the realm where you can't really see. But it is against... Uh, it's not against human beings because the evilness is coming from the the demonic forces, okay? From all from all angles. Craig, anything else? Well, yeah, actually, the word's not actually is not used. That's just authority. But there are various words used for the powers and through and world creators, all kinds of stuff. And at any rate, um, here, here's the thing I want to say, Joe. This is such a great question. And so what we have here going on is called an equivocation fallacy. So the word for flesh, sarx in Greek, S-A-R-X, has a number of meanings, and the meanings depends on the context. And so I'm going to show you that there's at least two different meanings in the two passages you just referenced. And I can see why it's confusing. I really understand your question. Uh, but 
let me say this. It'd be like if I, we were talking about the word ram, and I always use this because it's so simple. And You know, you say, well, that's a three-letter word, really simple. And you say, well, you mean to ram into something. I said, no. And you, well, it's an animal. And I say, no. It's a Dodge truck. No. It's a football team. No. It's a player on a f- given <laughs> football team. No. It's radar-absorbing material. No. It's random access memory. No. So you don't know what that word means until I give you the context. So the word flesh, as Brian's really pointed out, in one sense is just telling us our ultimate struggle, our ultimate struggle is not against um, humans. Now, it doesn't mean we don't struggle against humans, just like when, when in Acts uh, 4 or 5, when Peter says, you've not lied unto men but to God. Well, he did. Ananias and Sapphira did lie to men, to people, but it's saying the primary source, your primary, the primary battle, the main battle, is not against humans, but it's against the demonic realm, these ranking, uh, this hierarchy of beings. I, I believe it's, it's a ranking of angelic beings, in this case, fallen, evil, non-elect beings. Now you go to First John, and so then you really have the capacities in First John, where John tells us the world, the flesh, the devil. But, but so really, Ephesians 6 and 12 and following isn't saying that we don't struggle against our flesh. It's just our main battle, and it's an idiom. Our main struggle is not against humans, but flesh, when used in First John, for example, four, uh, two, three, and four is is referring to our fallen or Adamic nature, and so the big three enemies are the world, the the, the flesh, and the devil, and or the demonic realm. So the world, and even the world, you could say, well, I'll, my struggle is against a beautiful waterfall in Hawaii. No, no, no. It means cosmicos means worldliness, the world system from the Greek word cosmos, that is hostile, alienated, and in contradiction to God and the values of the kingdom of God. So that's our battle, our fallen nature. I, I want to pamper myself, my three favorite causes, my three favorite people or entities are, frankly, me, myself, and I, <laughs> me, myself, and I, in case you didn't get that, me, myself, and I, um, and and. And so that's the enemy, and then it is the devil on the demonic realm. So it's not a contradiction. The word has diff- the word flesh has a number of meanings, just like the word ram does. And so if 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 I said John, you don't need more ram, and then but then we're talking about uh, you happen to fly a plane for the for the air force, and say, oh no, you want more ram? You could go, Craig, you just contradicted yourself. But the one context was we were talking about your own personal commuter, uh, com- commuter, computer, <laughs> and you don't need more random access memory. You've got, let's say, 16 gigs or whatever. You're fine. Whereas you're actually a pilot for the Air Force, and you fly uh, you know, one of the uh, so-called stealth bombers or fighter jets. And I go, oh, no, you're missing some shingles or what have you, and we need to put on some more of the, uh, the radar-absorbing material. So I didn't contradict myself. It's a different context. And so it is from First John to Ephesians 6. There are different contexts. They're not contradictory, but I really see why that looked like a contradiction to you. But the answer is because it's two different contexts, and the word Sarks has way more than two meanings. Okay? All righty. Thank you very much for that phone hey, call, man. 
appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you calling in. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to join, just like uh, Joe did calling in, you can call Eric. He's setting up phone calls. He's doing a fine job, as usual, at 888-995-5552, 888-995-5552. We have about 35 minutes left in this broadcast, so please take advantage of it. Let's get these calls in at 888-995-5552. Everything else is Bible Info Brokers, Facebook, email, tweet, or messenger. Now, let's, you know, let's go to uh, Torrance. Let's keep the phone calls going and talk to our good friend Dan in the city of Torrance. Thank you very much for calling in, Brother Dan. How are you, sir? Hi there. How you doing, Dan? I thought I'd... I'm good. I thought I'd participate in the show telephonically. Well, I mean, look, man, you, you're taking all the words and applying most contextually correct. So speak speak your piece, my brother. Speak up. What's happening with you? <laughs> oh, I love you guys. I love you, Easy. Appreciate um, you, man, always. Love, I love you, too. the show, too. All right, and I'm all participating right. not just telephonically, but financially as well. We appreciate that, uh, Dan, as usual. I realize that I usually give right at the beginning of the month when we get our Social Security, but I'd forgotten. I thought I'd done it, and I checked with my wife. I hadn't done it. And we're battling. We're, we're going through a financial thing. We got we got hacked for $3,000. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a struggle. Um, so pray for us about that. Indeed. But, but I'm trusting God because at first they they denied our claim on it, the bank, when we didn't do it that long. Uh, and there we trust our money with them, right? And it's in an EDD account. So it's a prepaid card, not a regular <laughs> bank account. Yeah. So it's different. Anyway, I tell you all that because it has to do with my question. Um, and I think I'm having a battle because I forgot to give money. Because I'm supposed to. to uh, and I, the question is, is it scriptural, Craig, and, uh, is it scriptural to give out of our need? And I believe it is. Craig? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear. Yeah, let, me, let me repeat the question, Dan. Yeah. yeah. I'll repeat the question, Craig. You can hear me okay? Mm. Yeah, the, yeah, the, I can speak. Yeah, the well, I can always hear you clearly. <laughs> I love you too. The, the question Dan has is a very, very, very interesting question. Very good question. He's talking about giving out of uh, out of your need. In other words, if you have needs yourself, to what degree should you be giving? And Dan says he believes it's biblical uh, that you have, uh, even if you have needs yourself, that you still should give, uh, especially to uh, ministries that are you know sort of feeding you spiritually. If I, I just kind of add yes. a few words to Dan, but I know that's the way he's coming from. Well, I, I would have yes. to look at, you know, you have to define needs, okay? Is it where if you don't pay your rent, you're going to be kicked out of your house? And so it's a, it's a decision of do you pay the rent or do you, um, you know, get to the ministry? We're getting back to what we, t- we talked about, you know, earlier uh, in the show. You know, you have the money to pay your rent. Do you not pay the rent and say, well, I'm just going to trust God, okay? Or are you going to use godly wisdom and uh, use that money to pay your rent? Or you can say, you know, getting food or whatever the case might be. Uh, <clears throat> you can say, well, you know what? I'm going to give to the ministry, but I'm going to trust God that he's going to feed me. And Christians have different viewpoints on this. I personally believe that uh, if it's a matter of something where you need to eat or you need to pay your rent, who's to say that, you know, God isn't providing that money for you for those things. And so I would say uh, in situations like that, one or the other, you have to pay your rent, 
for you have to have a place to live or you have to eat, I would say eat or pay your rent or whatever the situation may be. You know, and, and it's on a case by case basis insofar as what that need actually is. Craig? Yeah, I, I'm with you, Brian. And, and again, I think it has to be defined and, and it can be different at different times. Um, so, yeah, if, I, if it's like I, I don't pay my rent or some single moms with me right now, and they go, man, if I give so much, my kids are not going to eat. And we're not eating top shelf. You know, we're we're living pretty frugally. And so I'd say, you know, no, give what you can. But the issue is, of course, is we defied need because, let's face it, a lot of people listening right now spend four, five, six dollars a day on coffee at you know whatever coffee shop, and they would say, "Well, that's my need," and and so as someone who's a caffeine addict, uh, of course I haven't heard from Jr. in a, few, a week or two, but uh, <laughs> you know I get it. But but my wife and I we tend to, we buy some good coffee and we get it on sale and we make it at home, and it's a whole lot cheaper and better, I might add, than what I go and pay for. So I'm not, but I'm not under a guilt trip. But we even things that we think we need sometimes are really just wants. And but even if you say I've got to have this, but we can live far more frugal. But we, you know. There's a phrase, Dan, you've probably heard it, and I, I, I heard this phrase, I don't know, it's only been a half a year or so, but that's a first-world problem. And I thought, that's mm-hmm. so apropos, that's yes. a first-world problem. That's something only people who are spoiled, like most of us are, Dan, at least, uh, I'm speaking for myself, who are spoiled, you know, that becomes an issue. Now, for your, you, I can see where it's a real, real issue. So I would say it's between you and the Lord, and you pray for wisdom, and you, one time you might say, no, I've I got to pay these bills, or, you know, we need this, we need the food, and my wife and I need the nutrition. And then another time you may say, we're going we're gonna to go a little austere this month and, and give a little more to the Lord's work. And I believe God honors that either way, but I think he gives us, again, we, we ask for wisdom, he gives it to us, and we, we, we tithe or give an offering accordingly. I just know that most Americans, it's kind of like, uh, like like food, most of us could use the not you, Dan, but the rest of us could use to skip a few meals. You know, I'm not. Sometimes, sometimes my wife will go, "Huh, you got to eat." I'm like, "Honey, do I look like I'm starving? Mm. Really?" <laughs> it's like you know. Uh-huh. So most Americans can go on a diet, and by that I mean spiritually, financially, we should be willing to invest in the kingdom of God because uh, God is worth it, and that's how the gospel advances. And we will be rewarded. It's it's all altogether lovely. It's good when people are willing to give of their time, talent, and treasure. You know, I'll, I'll just add this, uh, Dan. Uh, my little two cents is this: that uh, I I always like people to you know, to evaluate their situation, like audit their own selves, but would have God at the table before you give anything. And then as you guys auditing together with the Lord right there, then you have to ask yourself the question, am I I giving trust in God or am I giving presumptuously, just assuming that if I do give, then I I have to trust God, so he gives. But let's just say you're giving money to a congregation, a church, or ministry, or whatever, what have you, and then you have a need for the very money you just gave away, like Brian was saying, to pay your rent. So I give $100 uh, to the Lord, but I need $100 to pay my rent. Well, you should have kept that $100 to take care of your business and then maybe start budgeting in a different way. I think that it gets right down to have the Lord at the table when you're working out 
all of the monies that he's put in your care because it's all his anyway. We don't have that attitude. I think, like Craig says, it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a first world problem. It's not a third world or uh, developing country problem, as it were. It's a first world problem, and that's our issue. But I think that the attitude should be give whereby God is right there in the room where you guys are budgeting and then give according to as you have, not what you don't have. In other words, don't go in debt to give um, in, that, in that type of sense. That's my little two cents on the issue. I think it's, it's something... interesting you said twice. Uh, it's interesting you said twice. Let my little two cents. The woman that had her two mites and gave it all. Yep. And then I think of Elijah when the the woman was going to take her last meal with her son, and they were going to die. And and he said, divide it to, and give me a portion of it. And because she trusted and gave to God's man that, the next day their barrels were full. I give out of my need uh, because I have needs, and and I've got to trust God as well. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm foolish. And in the That's the bottom the line all said. right there. Uh, that's the, yeah, don't be foolish. Faith right. is not foolishness. Indeed. Uh, so don't get them mixed up. Because then you're, pre- uh, then you're being presumptuous. And, and, I give, and I give and I give <clears throat> to God first. He's supposed to have first fruits as well. There's a lot about giving, but I think there's well, scripture right. that says where Jesus talked about money more than he did heaven. Right. Go ahead, I'm sorry. You know what? You know what? Uh, if you get a chance, and I think Daryl hit it right on the head, um, he pretty much said Second uh, Corinthians eight twelve, uh, where it says, "For if the readiness is present, it is according, it is acceptable according to what a man has, not according to what he does not have." And you know that's exactly what Daryl just said. So, appreciate your final thoughts on that. Then we're going to go into other well, calls. Yeah, down. and there are times when we do give sacrificially. Yeah. But if she, but let me put it this, so he does commend that. But look, if she gave all she had every time, she would have starved. Indeed. So you can't do it every time. There's a time and a place mm-hmm. where we dig, dig deep, we give sacrificially, but there's times where uh, God's not asking that of us. He asks it according to what we have. Again, I'm thinking of particularly of a single mom who has, well, even one child, but multiple kids, and is trying to make uh, you know, ends meet. And it, literally the child will go without food and therefore nutrition that they really need. So it just it's wisdom to know when the Lord is saying, "Hey, I'm calling you to do this this month, this week, for now," but but not necessarily on a regular basis. Otherwise, of course, it'd be like, uh, "Well, I'm not going to pay my health insurance." Well, that's not wise because you need that. So to me, just wisdom from God and what He's calling you to do. And there you go, Dan. Really appreciate that. Thank you much for calling, brother. God bless you, man. Triple eight nine nine five 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 two is a number. Triple eight nine nine five 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 two is a number. Everything else is Bible Info Brokers. Bible Info Brokers. Brian, you know we only got about twenty five minutes left on the broadcast. But go ahead, what you got to say? No, I was going to say, you know, I, I look at that on the other end as well, Daryl. Maybe as an example of uh, an athlete who's paid, you know, four, you know, twenty, thirty, forty million dollars a year, and you know they can do far and above yes. what, you know, I guess the people look at a standard as 10%. They look at what God used in the Old Testament as an example. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some people say, well, I only have to give 10%. Yeah. Or certain, well, you're single, no responsibility. You know, you don't have five kids. 
you just signed a major contract, <laughs> you know, you're making multi-millions of, you know, multi-million dollars. You can do a whole lot more, you know, and you that kind of offsets those situations where others can. Now, there, there's so many different jokes in my mind in regards to how people give. I'll just simply say this. If you give out of what you have, that doesn't make too much sense to me because giving out of what you have, you got a million dollars, you give a penny, you gave out of. But if you give according to, it's a whole mindset. God is going to deal with the intent of your heart. Never forget this little quick story the guy gave uh, $50 by mistake, and then he thought it was a $5 bill. And he told his wife, you know, next time they're offering, Bucket, come back around. Can you, you know, ask the guys to give me, me $45 back? And he said, you know what, never mind, never mind. I just gone throw it in there this time. No, no big deal. You know, I, I have more. And his wife said, okay, well, you know what? You're going to get credit for $5 from the Lord because your heart and tenant, your attitude was $5, but you just happened to throw 45 extra in there by mistake. So we really have to watch our attitude. I mean, that's just a little story to make the analogy of. You give according to what you have, not out of what you have. And I think by doing so, then you're using the wisdom, you're trusting God, and you should give as you have, not as you don't have. Exactly. That's it. PCH, that's enough about giving right now because if not, I'm going to tell Brian how they can let the people know how to participate. But since he did it at the top of the hour, we've already took care of that, even though we need to let people know more than once in the broadcast. So, folks, please go to our website and give accordingly. You can click that button where it says support and donate, read the information and everybody else. We may give you the information a bit later on before the broadcast is over. But right now, I want to go back to the phone calls and let's go to line number. Let's see what I have here. Who talk, talk to me? Talk to me in my ear, please. Who do we have coming up? Hi, this is Jared. Hey, Jared, how you doing? Where are you calling from? This is Eric from Chatsworth. Yes, right, Eric from Chatsworth. I have written you down right here. What What's going on with you, Eric, as far as some uh, difference between uh, two two things here, religion and the cult, something like that you were asking about? Yeah, I had a, a, just a real direct question okay. about the difference between a cult and a non-Christian religion. Oh. I think I asked if you could apply it to some, um, you know, specific examples we deal with regularly. We we often are dealing with uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and uh, Mormons in circumstances where they're proselytizing, obviously, at our front doors. But maybe you can expand that a little bit more into other religions like Islam and so on. And the reason this question comes to my mind right now is I recently heard that at some point towards the end of his life, uh, not that he's the measure in all of this, but that Billy Graham had personally reclassified for himself uh, the Mormon um, Church, the Latter-day Saints. He had reclassified them from what he thought to be a cult to a non-Christian religion. Well, I, I know, I know, Craig can get very deep into this. Taught a whole, a whole semester on the cults and the occult. But I, re- I remember in the class, uh, one of the things that was said regarding a non-Christian religion basically is a group that uh, uses the term, they claim, they claim to know Jesus, they claim to believe in Jesus, but in fact, they have the wrong Jesus. Like you were just saying, Jehovah Witnesses, you know, they'll say that they're Christian, they'll claim to be Christian. But they'll deny who Jesus Christ is. I think that might be a better way of saying it. Ergo, non or not Christian. Exactly. So they'll say they're Christian. Mormonism, Mormonism, uh, uh, Christians, other groups as well. They'll claim to be Christian, but they will deny who Jesus 
is biblically. And Craig, if you don't mind, Craig, throwing that in there, is there also a non-Islamic or a non-Jewish type thing? If you could throw that in there also, I want clarity on that myself as well as you give these definitions. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Yeah. So I have a free outline on this, actually, Eric. You, you could have a request, and we'd, we'd send it electronically to you. But uh, when we, I use the word cult. The cult has a word. In fact, I talk about this in this outline. It has seven or eight meanings. Uh, and I'm not using it as a pejorative, or it, it originally came from Latin cultus, which meant a sect, S-E-C-T, or division or subdivision of a larger or a main religion like, like Judaism, Christianity, Islam, whatever. Um, but but in any, I'm using the term theologically, as, as does Alan Gomes and others, for example, in the Zondervan series on the cults and the occult, those booklets, books. Um, it's a group that claims to be Christian, as Brian really said, Indeed, they often claim to be the only true Christians, yet they deny essential doctrines, and certainly the deity of Jesus, although Mormons believe Jesus is divine, because they believe we can become divine. So it's basically, the key would be they deny one or more essential Christian doctrines. But again, the key is for a cult is that they claim to be Christians, they claim to be the true Christians. So Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, and Christadelphians, and a whole list of groups we could give, whereas non-Christian religion Religions may or may not claim to be compatible with Christianity or claim Jesus in some sense, but generally they don't. So Hinduism, they may talk about Jesus, but he's not really a major player, right? Krishna, Vishnu, Shiva, so on and so forth. Same with Buddhism, same with Judaism, uh, same with Islam, whether Wahhab, uh, Shia, Sunni, or other divisions of Islam. Uh, so they all mention Jesus in some sense, but they're really not centered around him. And they typically do not claim at all to be Christians. In fact, they're very proud of the fact they're not Christians. Whereas, you know, classically the cults say, we are, we are the true believers. We're really the true, the true church. And yet, ironically, they deny one or more essential doctrines. So they would say, we're the only real Christians. We're the only real true church. And generally, Islam, uh, Muslim, that is, our, our Jewish friends, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, do not claim that. So that's really the difference. Okay. Hey, Eric, I hope that was helpful to you, my brother. Appreciate you. Thank you very much for your phone call. Ladies and gentlemen, we only have about another 10 minutes or so left in the broadcast. Uh, let's try to get as many calls as we can at 888-995-5552, uh, Call Eric right now. He does have a couple open lines. And let's continue taking the phone calls, gentlemen, and go to Ian in the city of Pasadena. Ian, thanks for holding on and calling in. Yeah, yeah. Um, the question was, um, what is better, obedience? Or sacrifice. That was the question I came up with. The people who are giving out of their needs. Okay, uh, let, let me ask you a question before we get into the answer to that question. What do you mean by sacrifice? Because then we're going to give you what the biblical text. I think that you you may not be making reference to this particular biblical text, but taking a meaning of to obey is better than uh, to sacrifice. What yeah, do you yeah, mean by sacrifice? Yeah, yeah. I, I was saying like. Let's just say it's, I would sacrifice something to relieve my guilt of something to, to take the place of that. Okay. I see what you're saying. I think I see what you're saying. PCH, were you able to hear Eric on that? Well enough. It's being obedient. 
Right. So, once again, we've got a kind of an equivocation going, although I think that Ian is heading on something. So the context is First Samuel 28, it, where it says to obey is better than sacrifice. Saul says he wants to, he kept the sheep alive from the enemy to, to sacrifice to God, and God told him not to do that. Mm-hmm. And so he tried to, yes, as you said, as I heard you correct, Ian, it's to put something in place of obedience. I didn't obey, but I did this. Well, yeah, that's unacceptable. But but sacrifice in that sense has nothing to do with what Dan was asking, because right. Dan's very question was, is it okay or should I do this? Dan wasn't saying, uh, I, I disobeyed God, so now I'm going to try to give him some more money and pay him off, if you will, or balance the books. He wasn't saying that. He just wanted to know, is is that wise or biblical? So it's a different question. So. So again, I mean, what you said is, as far as it went in, is true, but we don't want to equivocate sacrifice in the sense of giving sacrificially, not because we've disobeyed God and we're trying to make up for it, because you can't make up for a disobedience. Disobedience is just that, disobedience. Uh, but, but there clearly is a place to give sacrificing one's life or uh, giving sacrificial versus trying to pay God off, for lack of a better term, as in 1 Samuel again 28, because Saul disobeyed God, and God said, uh-uh, don't hand me that stuff, do what I tell you to do. And Dan's asking, what should I do? What is the biblical view? So that's how those two relate. Okay, Ian, we really appreciate that. Guys, look, we're coming in about, uh, I would say we have about nine minutes left. Now, Craig, you did mention that you want to uh, bring up a subject matter uh, that may be near and dear to your heart at this particular time before next week, I guess. If you want to uh, do that now, well, let's take an opportunity to do that as we close the broadcast. Well, thanks, Gerald. Yeah, we don't have time time now, but I do want to talk about in the future about ways and approaches to equip people, young or older, mm-hmm. of how to deal with the issue of transgenderism or ableism or the other isms that are out there today. Uh, are we just intolerant, bigoted, mean-spirited, mean people? Or is there something to be said for really loving people uh, and saying, you know, what are some examples, what are practical Counterexamples we can give to people that that, that to help them re look at this issue of uh, oh you're just being intolerant if you don't accept somebody who says they're really uh, transgender or believes in gender fluidity. I really believe in practical approaches. We and I want to say this: we cannot shortchange our young people. They're being thrashed. They're being taught this mm-hmm. stuff in schools. Uh, they're they're totally inundated with this stuff. You got schools wanting to do this and practically preschool, and we, we dare not not equip them. We must equip them. And, but it, and, and yeah, I believe it being biblical, but you can't just say, well, the Bible says. They're like, yeah, and that helps me a lot. But how about the Bible says, and here's an example from the Bible, here's a way to do this. We need to equip each other to give an answer, a reason for the hope that is within us with reverence and respect. You know, it's interesting you brought that up, Craig. I just had a talk, uh, and I've you know, talked with uh, all my grandchildren, got too many of them to be giving them that much time. You know, I'm a spoiled old grandfather, but I was just talking to number five and uh, getting an idea from him because he's getting ready to turn into a man. He'd be 18 years old coming up next year, and I was just asking what was his worldview about various things, and and it's like, and he was talking about how he doesn't like certain things at school that he goes to. He goes to a very nice school. Um, you know, when I say 
very nice. Uh, they, they, they're, they're, for the lack of a better term, a lot of people that go to that school are very privileged. They're privileged in the sense they have a lot of money. Uh, they have a lot of money. So when he sees the attitudes of the kids, he's kind of appalled about it. Be, uh, and I'm saying, what are you appalled about the very thing that you said that you want to get so often? You're asking your mom and your dad for money to do the various things that the very kids that you're talking about has money. But I was asking them more importantly, what is your worldview and how do you establish it? What is it about? You know, talk, talk to me about the things that's important to you in your life. You're getting ready to become a man. Are you ready to be? Are you ready to become a man? Are you ready to be responsible for yourself? And like most kids, I ask that same question that age for over the last forty plus years. PCH, they inevitably tell me no, they're not ready. And I always ask, well, why aren't you ready? And they said the, the, the main thing I get out of all these situations is that we. The parents that are raising them have given them too much of things, but not enough substance to things to think about and how to navigate themselves through this world that they're going to be entering into as adults. And ergo, they may have the stuff that we give them, the the items, but the mindset and the, the ability to figure this stuff out, just as you were saying, is lacking. It is lacking because we as parents cannot expect the schools to do it. And yet we don't do it ourselves as a whole. I'm not saying you or Greg, Brian, myself, or anybody else, but as a whole, the kids are not getting what they need to be able to navigate and be able to argue themselves, not in a negative sense of argumentation, but to be able to develop their mindset and their worldview on how they're going to navigate through this world as adults. Craig, are there any groups out there that um, are dealing with this uh, situation insofar as a, you know being very impactful. Uh, well, there are Brian. Uh, there are people. I think the Summit Ministries, and there's a number of them that do. Uh, but I, I just want to push up more examples. I, I really believe in. Because I was talking to some folks today, and made the point not just saying, "Well, that's not biblical," or "It is biblical." If I told my law students that, they just go, "Whatever." But I, <laughs> I paint them in a corner. I give them an example using their own principles and things they say they believe, but it ends up in a result that they don't like. And I'm like, "Well, how do you deal with that?" Now the problem's on their shoulders. And I show them. Then I, when, when they don't give me a real tolerant answer, I go, "Well, you're a bigot. Look at you." <laughs> but, but I just turn the tables on them. I make them use their their own guidelines and show them that doesn't get them to where what they say they believe. And so it's just being a little created by the grace of God. And I mean, sometimes you try the direct approach, you're going to get nowhere, but you come in the side door and it's like, Oh, they weren't, they weren't expecting that. Well, you know what, why don't we make it a point? You know, we talk about, you know, there are times on our radio broadcast where we do some teaching and we haven't done teaching in a long time, I don't believe. And so why don't we plan on that next week, uh, you know, 30 minutes, an hour, however long you need. And then after that, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of questions regarding that. And on top of that, it'll give our listening audience uh, enough time to let, it, you know, get their get, get their, their mind together, get their thoughts. In, and in get order. their friends mm-hmm. to, to make sure they come in and listen on Sunday night regarding this topic. These are the type of things I think we definitely need to archive. And, um, and you know, even, Craig, if you have an outline that, that that may be available, we can even post that so people can follow along. Maybe we get that done before. I don't know. Look, look, we, I mean, I'm all in favor of that, Brian, especially because of the time that we're in right now yeah. and what you were just mentioning, PCH. Craig, is how how is it an hour, the whole show? What do you think? 
Well, I wouldn't want to do the whole show, but I mean, we could do part and then see if people have questions. Okay. In 10, 15 minutes, you can cover a lot of territory. Because yeah. I give practical examples. It's not just what, you know, what we call uh, quantitative definitions. It's giving denotative. It's giving examples. People right. are going, what do those words mean? But it's giving an example so you can go, oh, I know what you're talking about. Because you showed me what you're talking about. Yes. Well, well, Craig, I know you, so let's go 30 minutes. <laughs> you mean for one for one point? Oh, I'm sorry, what'd you say? <laughs> somebody, I know you. <laughs> so let's go 30 minutes and go Q&A, see how it goes. We'll just, in that way, if if it's less than 30 minutes, fine. If it's more than 30 minutes, not fine. But <laughs> we'll, uh, let's just plan it on 30 minutes and then the Q&A. And so, Craig, you're going to have to be able to navigate your breaks in between that hand, man. So you, you're you going to be able to go, go well, that long without taking that's a break. That's what counts, Daryl. Well, that's, that's what I'm trying to say, but I don't want to mess up and get any kind of union trouble. I don't have any. Yeah, we don't want any us. union trouble at all. So. <laughs> yeah, at all, at all. But, guys, one of the things with the union is I'm looking at this big clock in front of me. We're showing that we have about, what, six or seven minutes, Jeff, uh, JJ, about six or seven Okay, he told me five. See, <clears throat> see, I, I said six or seven. He said no five. Now he go back to six. So guys, let's do this. Uh, you got, you got, you got a flip flopper as my engineer. We have six minutes left, guys. Let's do this. Um, Brian, Craig, and Daryl. If there's any time left for me, I'll share. But Brian, what's on your mind? What's on your heart? What is really, really troubling Brian in the world today? And how are you going to apply a biblical principle to what's troubling you? Well, you know, using the word trouble, I'll, I'll just say just just bothering the heck out of me. And that's, oh, okay. Well, that's, that's, you want to get that deep? <laughs> go on, then. Go ahead. No, it's uh, it, it's our world. It's our government. It's the way, uh, you know, we were talking about it earlier today. It's the way things are going. And not surprise, but, um, you know, we, we have a major battle on our hands spiritually and as Christians, we need to deal with, you know, the stuff you know, like when, he, uh, you know, Craig was talking about that he's going to share next week on dealing with topics like that. I look at uh, the leadership of our country. Uh, I look at the uh, and that's from the president on down. Uh, not not all of our not all of our leaders, but a lot of them uh, are looking at the whole Roe v. Wade situation. I look at. You know, abortion is just just so out of control, and it's so sad that you know it's like you 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 look at people and their anger about you know not wanting Roe v. Wade to be overturned, but it's just like it's like a demonic presence. It, it really is. It, it's kind of it, it, it's uh, it, it's uh, it, it makes you think. It makes you look at the way the world is going. To and we as Christians, we need to be verbal. We need to be in prayer. We need to be able to answer questions, uh, not like, "Well, the Bible says this" or "The Bible says that," but we need to be able to give them a well-reasoned argument and make and 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 let them know things where they have to think about. Hmm, never thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. Things of that nature. Uh, you got to be on our P's and Q's. You got to be on, you know, we, we have to, you know, Ephesians 6 was brought up today. We we have to have our fleet, our feet firmly planted, mm-hmm. and we have to be able to defend the faith and not just 
you know, the Bible says so. And in all these areas, we have to inform people. We need to talk to people. We need to be able to give them answers and um, not where they walk away just saying, oh, that's just one of those Bible thumpers, Bible thumpers. <laughs> so PCH, what thumpeth you about the Bible? <laughs> well, there's a number of things, but I, of course, always test all things, including what we say, hold fast to that, which is good. First Thessalonians 521. But I'm thinking of a, somebody knows a, a police officer and they're talking about would they come in and even someone's in the house and beating somebody up or killing them. And they talked about, they, they, they wait for backup and they often try to establish a perimeter <laughs> He said, but don't worry, we'll take good pictures. In other words, mm. the people who was probably dead. And I think those who say, I'm just going to trust the police, and I'm not knocking the police. I appreciate them. They do a great job uh, I'm, I'm, overall. I'm, I'm not knocking them. But he said, the point was, don't worry, the coroner will take good pictures. You think that they're going to get there in time, per se, and that you, they're the ones going to take care of you. You know, God gave you a brain, and he expects you to use it. Indeed. Well, guys, you know, look, um I'm just going to simply say this uh, to everybody in the listening audience and to all of us to consider. Have you, I mean, is, is your life in Christianity boring to you? And if it is boring to you, have you challenged yourself and challenged the God that you believe in to give you a spirit that will excite you about the, what you should be living out? I would be concerned that if your life is boring as a believer, I would almost guarantee, as my good guy who used to be that chef, I forget his name off the top of my head, but I know he's just, Justin Whitten, that Cajun chef. Thank you very much, J.J., my son. I would guarantee you that you're not reading your word, that you're not, that you're not sold out because you're not reading your word. How can you have this big, huge, humongous, creative, omnipotent, omniscient, a powerful God that we have and not be excited about the relationship that you would have with him to be able to change your world. You as an individual, who are you living for? What you living for? More things, more stuff? I have not seen yet, Brian and Craig and listening audience, I have not seen yet a Hertz with a U-Haul connected to it. Think about that visual. You're going to be driven off in a hurts, just like us all, unless Jesus comes. But if he tarries, we're all going to be leaving here in a hurts. You will not have a U-Haul. As the old joke said, we may bury you with the diamonds in your mouth, but not the diamonds on your fingers. We're going to take those things off. You're not taking them anywhere with you, folks. So if you have, and since you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, please prayerfully consider what can you do that will excite someone about your relationship and be able to glorify your Father in heaven because they see Christ-centeredness lived out through you. That's all I'd ask you. And that begins with you reading the Word. So please, get in the Word so you can live by the Word. And this has been Living by the Word Ministries presentation of the Bible Information Brokers. My name is Daryl Zidee Fulton. Yes, indeed, I'm Mama Grace and Big Daddy's Baby Boy. Saying the Lord willing, the whole team will be back next week if the Lord is willing with more of the Bible Information Brokers presented by Living by the Word Ministries and the participation of the listening audience. God bless you. Till we see you next week. <laughs>